Okay, um, trailer cast listeners, you guys are in for an unbelievably sassy and soulful treat today. I'm interviewing Celeste Holbrook, and we're going to be talking about everything from um, sex to Christianity and how those two do and don't mingle to loss and the way we got connected and the Enneagram and all (laughs) of the good things that comes from just connecting people in unconventional ways. So um, put on your listening ears because this episode is going to be lit. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the trailer cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. <laughs> Celeste. Um, also your bio, sexologist. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I love it. Thank you. Um, it's a really great way to shut down conversations on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> or start them or start really weird ones right yeah 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 because if I if I met you on a plane I would be like all right let's just fly to China so we can talk this all the way through (laughs) I'd love it I'd love it I would absolutely go there with you (laughs) well that's my maybe that's what this is going to be this episode is if we met each other on a plane and had the time for this conversation yeah well we're gonna have that mile high conversation (laughs) oh I love it I love it no pun intended okay so um Tell us who you are. Give me your run through of your bio. We start with sexologists, but what do you want people to know about you that are listening? Sure. I, I really want to start out at least by saying I'm really, I feel the feelings of happiness and I feel honored to be on your podcast. I've listened for a while mm-hmm. and I feel really connected to you in a lot of ways. And so being on this podcast just feels really natural for me <laughs> only because <laughs> I feel like I know you. Um, and I feel really thankful. So thank you very much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, it, warms my, it really, like, really warms my heart. I'm like, oh, yes, that's the plan. That's the, what I want. Yeah, you're I doing feel it. like we know each other. Yeah, you're doing it. That's what you do on your podcast is you really feel cool. like um, we're just sitting in your trailer together and, yep. and you've made that happen. So good. Well awesome. done. Well, thank you. Done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I am a sexologist. I have a PhD in health behavior change and with a postgraduate emphasis in sexuality and sexual behavior, um, which none of that is really as important as the fact that I've really struggled with my sex life. I grew up in a very conservative home, um, mm-hmm. a conservative community. My parents were pretty rad, but a conservative community. And I, you know, kind of grew up with the message that sex was something you waited to do until you were married and you did it with somebody of the opposite gender. And, um, I did that. I'm an Enneagram nine with, (laughs) with a one wing. And so I am here to please everybody Mm -hmm, and keep mm -hmm. the peace. And it made me a really awesome kid 
Um, yeah. I pleased all the adults and did all the things correctly with my one wing. Um, yep. And then it, it caused a bit of a struggle as an adult, which we can talk about maybe later. But yes. um, but I did. I waited until I was married to have, you know, quote unquote sex. I did all the other fun stuff, which is really actually sure. important in my sexual growth. Um, but yeah, waited, waited until I was married. And then when we did, it was really painful. Um, physically, physically painful, um, for the, at the beginning. And then it kind of got wrapped really entwined with shame about not living up to the standards of what I thought a new married couple should be and, um, guilt and anger and resentment. Yeah. Um, we were both in, I was in grad school and my husband was in med school when we got married and, um, you know, newly married people just don't have like a whole lot of tools in the toolbox. And then you, right. you add in kind of this very, um, hush, hush pain. Um, mm. we really, I mean, we really struggled. I really struggled particularly because I just felt a, a lot of, yeah, shame and guilt. And yeah. so, yeah, that was a like, big yeah, yeah. Because it, it's physical pain, and then it becomes this emotional pain, and mm-hmm. then it becomes this relational pain, mm. right? Which then sends us back into like this isolation of, oh no, is there something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm not, you know, fill in the blank enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I something's wrong, which becomes like this mental pain again. Like you can see where it would just cycle oh. and cycle and cycle. Yeah, it was definitely a, a negative uh, feedback loop where yes. it got to the point where he would reach out in love and trying to connect. And I would feel yeah. so, I would feel angry and resentful. Like, yeah. why do you want to hurt me in this way? It just felt yes. disconnected to me. So, yeah. you. So I'll, one thing I want to insert here is also I, all of my, <laughs> everything is going to be sexual puns apparently. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's um, our so. whole life. That's just what, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, when people walk into my office that are going through sexual dysfunction, mm-hmm. the amount of shame that comes with them and how common these issues are. And I don't mean, I don't even want to call them issues. These mm. topics are yeah. because this is a topic that's in relationship, married or otherwise, yeah. that people have questions about sex, sexuality, sexual engagement, mm-hmm. all things sex. And this is um, multiple times a week and I'm not a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. So this is what typical people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And it is also, if anyone's come from any form of like conservative or spiritual upbringing, there's a spiritual pain that exists here as well when it comes to, well, I waited and mm-hmm. now what? I did all yeah. the right things and God yeah. is not showing up for me in my bedroom now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. where were the things? Such a bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, when you grow up as sex, sex as a moral issue, it becomes mm-hmm. difficult to make it go from I have sexual morals to I have sexual values. And I think that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the disconnect is, is going from sex as a moral issue to sex as my own personal value statement. And um, that, that's a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah, that was where I, I struggled a lot. So the for, after the first year, I, I Long story short, I went to an OB-GYN who basically told me yep. I should have babies and that would fix the problem. <laughs> cute. That's really cute. That's, that's nice. Um, <laughs> and I I am real stubborn. And so I was just like, no, <laughs> I'm not having yep. babies. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Clearly, nobody else can help me. I'm going to do it on my own. So I just, I jumped all the way in and I started studying sexuality and I started to... Yeah. Um, I basically took 
sex off the table and started to relearn my pleasure pathways and relearn how to connect with my partner without the pain of sex and then slowly started to integrate things that worked for us and built this beautiful sex life that now we we now have. And now since I've gone through that process, I can help other people kind of go through that process as well. So I love this. Yeah. And I like that it's not only like your been your personal journey, but then you went to like school and have a like a doctoral degree mm-hmm. in order to actually help people. Like that coupled experience of I know and I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. It, it it was really a beautiful trajectory that I didn't know I was going to be on. Um <laughs> uh when I started to get my my degree, I was just I, you know, was just kind of interested in people's behavior. And I didn't really think that I was going to yeah. specialize in sexuality until I really struggled so deeply on my own. So yeah, it was it's kind of a, a beautiful long trajectory of, of my life. And, and so here I am talking to you. I'm so yes. lucky. Okay. <laughs> okay. So tell if we're just going to like jump into something like where, okay. le, where's the taboo space we could jump into like right away? Like what, like what are, what are weird questions you get? And I know I'm using that as there's no weird questions, yeah, but like no what questions. people listening, they, people always ask me, Oh, what are the weirdest things you've ever heard? I'm like, what are you talking about? But we're talking about sex. So we, it's gotta be a little weird. Yeah. Um, let's see if we're going to jump into something taboo. Like I really love the, um, I really love talking about the clitoris. I really love talking about manipulation. Um, I love this. These are things we don't talk about enough. We know a lot about the penis and we don't, yep. we don't typically learn very much about, the clitoris because our sex education is an atrocity in the United States. And most educational models are based on a reproductive model. Like sex is when you want to get pregnant, which is very little of the sex that we have is to get pregnant. Most of the sex we have is to connect, to feel pleasure. Yes. Right. Um, But yeah, we, we know very little about the pleasure systems of uh, the female person or somebody who has a vulva. Um, and the clitoris is just so fascinating to me. So yeah, the clitoris is probably one of my very favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when people are, are like, okay, wait, did she just, did she just say the C word? Yeah. Um, are, we're talking education that'd be helpful for men, women, it doesn't matter. This is information that's, that's important for like sexual health. Yes, absolutely. If you own a clitoris or if you know somebody who owns a clitoris, listen the heck up. <laughs> I love this. Um, so the clitoris is actually far larger than we ever think about. So we always think about the external, the, what we consider the glands clitoris, the, you know, the little man in the canoe, if you will. I'm, I'm literally taking notes. Oh, okay. yeah. So the little man in the canoe. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> um, so I really want to see your notes. Can you take a picture of them? Yeah. And send yes, Are you drawing yeah. Yeah. Let's I totally am. <laughs> Um, so we typically think about that as the clitoris, but the clitoris is actually far larger than we give it credit for. So it extends back into your body. So that's the clitoral shaft. And then it had, it runs down the side of your vulva, much like a wishbone. So the clitoris actually has crura or what we call legs and all of that, uh, tissue is surrounded by or actually has erectile tissue. So interestingly, women or people who own clitorises have just as much erectile tissue as people who own penises, which I think we should talk about more. 
<laughs> right, right, right. So that's why your vulva gets puffy when you get aroused or gets, you know, kind of filled with, with blood is because your erectile tissue underneath your, the lips of your vulva and your vagina or your vaginal opening, um, get filled with blood and erectile tissue. And so there's lots of pleasure to be had, not just on the external glands clitoris, but all around those legs, like rolling the shaft of the clitoris right behind, or, you know, doing some circular motions around your vaginal opening so that you can, you know, highlight the legs of the, of the clitoris. There's just so much more there. And the clitoris is the only function for the clitoris is pleasure. Isn't that so lovely? That's pretty, it, it, well, it is, I think when we think about the idea of sex for pleasure, not for procreation, mm-hmm. right? Like, or recreation of a procreation, whatever that is. The idea that like sex is play mm-hmm. um, and that we can engage it in total freedom. Like if a part of our body biologically speaks specifically oriented for pleasure only, then to me that speaks actually to like, and this might be controversial, mm-hmm. a good like creative sensual God that wants us to enjoy pleasure in our body. Oh, yes. I think that I'm just going to like sink into those words right now because that is... What I what I want is for um, us to really embrace a creative, sexual, playful, erotically curious God. Mm. Mm. Good damn thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. So this is going to confuse people. I think in two in two could confuse people in two spaces. Either spiritual people who don't understand um, an idea of an erotic God, and then the regular people that are like. <laughs> what the fuck does spirituality have to do with any of this? <laughs> so it's, and then like the middle camp, I, you, I like to call us, and I'm saying us, like the expats. Mm-hmm. So people that have maybe migrated from traditional conservative church mm-hmm. and yet kind of still love, you know, all the, like the good things, mm-hmm. kind of kept the baby throughout the bathwater. Mm-hmm. We kept some of the good stuff, right? And are moving into a space with a little more freedom, more conversation, a little more taboo. Um, and are starting to put words to this. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there's three, maybe probably more, but three specific camps of people that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Conservative, what are we talking about? What is the spirituality thing? Yeah. And then the expats. I love that you, I love that you described us as expats. I very much identify with that. <laughs> yeah. I very much identify. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think to kind of, or the way in which I organize this in my mind is mm-hmm. to think about the idea of sensuality, which we can think of without kind of getting triggered, like the word erotic, we get kind of triggered mm-hmm. like that, yeah. like erotic dancer or, you know, we kind of, but when we think about the word sensual, we can literally look at a toddler or a baby in the grass and see how sensual they are because sensuality is simply like the discovery of our senses, the use of our senses, yes. you know, the, the toddler is eating the grass and is touching and feeling the texture of the grass and throwing it up in yes. the wind and watching it, you know, move and using all of their senses. And if we think about the connection between sensuality and spirituality, sensuality is literally presence defined by our body. So mm. you cannot be totally in your senses and also be thinking about the past or the future. That's phenomenal. It's yeah. So we're talking about orientation of sensuality has to be grounded in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is prolific. Okay. Yes. Exactly. So so just coupling sensuality with sex, a lot of the way we think about sex we think about it as a performance instead of an Mm -hmm. experience experience. Yes. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about sex as an experience, it 
we have to be very sensual and sink into presence as an experience. And that I believe is when sex can become spiritual. That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. This like I'll never get over the amount of like parallel things where I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I hear that. Mm-hmm. And like because I talk often about the idea of how healing has to happen in the here and now. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of sexual healing, um, specifically the idea of if we are going to engage um our senses to to be in the present with our partner, mm-hmm. uh, whether we've had sexual trauma or whatever, we our goal always is still to encounter that hearing in the here and now. Otherwise, it's just an idea yes. or a past tense thought. So we have to be able to be here now to engage our sexuality, to engage our sensuality, to engage our spirituality. Yes. I love that. I love that you say healing. Say it again, that healing is the healing has to take place in here now. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so good. It's yeah, and you know it's yeah. interesting. A lot of the times, yeah, I know, right? We're like, hey, let's keep going. Um the the when you said the thing about toddlers too, at first I was like, ooh, that's interesting. That mm-hmm. feels like a juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. But when you were explaining the idea of sensuality and then in the grass, I immediately thought innocence. Oh, and yeah. what right? Like what's happened to sexuality in America is we have made it profane rather than sacred. And when you compared sensuality to just our senses and playful and that like true innocence, it's in a toddler. It's like, whoa, all of a sudden sexuality isn't bad. Sexuality is now is, or if if we think about it in sensuality is curiosity. It's playful. It's good. It's natural. It's a part of our development. All of a sudden it's in a totally different context Mm -hmm. than when I think of um, what we now know as sex in America. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it got contorted because this is one of my biggest tenets about sex is because Mm -hmm. sensuality and sexuality is so powerful. Right. And that's why we use it to sell hamburgers and cars and, you know, Mm. it breaks families apart and it start, it begins life. It's just incredibly powerful. So we, I think have decided, Oh, it's so powerful. We're going to use it in these ways that are misaligned with maybe how they were, how maybe it was supposed to be as that innocence and playful and spiritual. Right. Yes, without shame, mm-hmm. because we don't shame toddlers for being curious about their environment when they're no. like doing that. It's like, no, this is like, we wonder at it, you know, yeah. we wonder at like, wow, I'm, you know, I think about the, you know, discovery for the first time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I yeah. think the more that we take that approach to our own sex life of curiosity, continue to be curious about our bodies and our partner's bodies, that's how you cultivate a sex life that persists through time. You have yes. a relationship after relationship with the same person. Um, yes. When desire wanes, you get curious again, you know, you be that toddler again. And mm-hmm. what does this texture feel like now? Or what does this feeling um, yes. bring up in me today? You know? Yes. Well, what's neat about that too, is like, we don't blame toddlers when they don't know. So again, like if we're mm. taking that like posture of innocence and curiosity, then it's like, I don't know. I'm just playing. I don't know. I'm just figuring it out instead of, I have to be some like, like, what is that? Like some freak in the sheets and order, you know, <laughs> right. a, you know, we've been married this long. <laughs> yes. This is what it should be like. It's like, no, I'm, I don't know. I'm just playing. It's okay that I don't know. Or I'm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just always, it always goes back to, in my opinion, that we see sex as performance and that, that in a performance, you cannot make a mistake or you can't, or there Mm -hmm. are mistakes Mm -hmm. to be made. Whereas Mm -hmm. in an experience, it's just collection of data. There's nothing more. (laughs) Totally. 
Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's practice. I'm saying it's just practice. It's a sexual <laughs> practice, just like yoga, yeah. right? If you yeah. you, you, yeah, if you do yeah. yoga, like <laughs> sensuality is so ingrained in yoga and being in presence and, and and feeling with every part of you, your body and your breath, right? And and it's just a continual practice. And we don't put we put emphasis on non-performance in yoga, you know. Um, and so if we could just do that in our sex life, we would be so much more fulfilled, I, in my yes. opinion, you know. Yeah, it's I, I, I'm seeing like, again, like a, a massive irony when we think about human beings being so productive oriented <laughs> or performance based right now. Yeah. And then like, but if when we come home to our true nature as human beings, right, then all of these things slide into space into place, right? Mm-hmm. We are we can be sensual and sexual without shame. Mm. Uh, we can enjoy and rest and relax and play. Like in, in our true human being nature, all of these things are already there and they exist. Now, what society has done by being in constant fast-forward motion all the time is it's moved us out of the here and now. So, I mean, this I think this conversation would be interesting in context of the developing world as well for people right. that their pace is much slower. slower. They yeah. are, yeah, they're much more available to the here and now, to relationship, to sensuality, mm. and lacking that sense of shame because it, it's not hand-delivered to them every four seconds on Instagram. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> take that (laughs) yes exactly exactly I think that would be really fascinating you know um yeah just incredibly fascinating and even like the simple things like like hearing your family members have sex like if you live in a one-room home you Uh hear your you know your father or parents or whatever father and mother having sex like this is something that happens in other other places throughout the world and so it becomes less like veiled and (laughs) more right well and then because there's profane again right or taboo Mm -hmm. if we put it behind a veil or behind a room or we lock the door we use other words or we talk about it you know we make it we make it weird (laughs) yes we totally do (laughs) we totally do we do that when we talk about about sex to our kids too is we're the weirdos (laughs) We are totally. the weirdos. Like, totally, totally. We make okay, it so, so weird. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We have used, we always use like the biological like words in our house because mm-hmm. I didn't want my kids to be confused. And mm-hmm. so being a survivor of childless sexual abuse, I want to use the right words so that way my kids mm-hmm. can't be duped in a sense. Like if someone says whatever, um, people say all sorts of weird things to lure children. Right. And I wanted them to have the right words right away so that way there wouldn't be as much loss in translation. So mm-hmm. I think about vocabulary as empowerment. So mm-hmm. when we were telling our kids about their different body parts and blah, 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 take all the kids into the bathroom, public, public bathroom, mind you. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in the big stall together. And Judah says, hey, mom, are you peeing out of your butt? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said, no, I'm, I, no. He says, well, then where's your wiener? I'm like okay oh, oh god okay. <laughs> so and I just hear the rest of the bathroom start cracking up they are laughing so hard uh, they're they're they are laughing because it's like yep here we go yeah. here's my son trying to figure out like he can't see mm-hmm, a penis right? he can't see his body part so obviously mom is peeing out of her butt. yeah yeah <laughs> I love it though so innocent right it's not veiled in any kind of shame around genitalia and I and oh god it was awesome that's beautiful I love it my daughter my daughter I have twin daughters who are five um, oh, they're seven gosh. sorry but when they when they were five we were at the public pool and they had just learned how to use their goggles and I'm kind of like maybe 
I'm probably like 20 feet away from one of them. And she literally pops out of the water in the middle of this very busy public pool. And she says, mom, guess what? I saw your vagina way over here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, with my laser gun. Because so like we like, thank you. That's um, what that is. At this point, there's there's like no recovery. Like just going and yeah. doing therapy with the yeah. you know 25 adults and children around there. There's just yep. no recovery from that. I was like, okay, yep. great. I hope you don't yep. think that I was flashing my vagina to you. No, totally. You're like, no, that's. You're like, whose kid is <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and honestly, she probably said vulva. We use vulva in our house instead of vagina. So- but yeah. Crazy. Okay, and why? Talk to me about that. Well, just anatomically. Um, anatomically, what's okay? Yeah, anatomically, calling yeah. your vulva a vagina is like calling your face your throat. Um, so your vagina is internal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your vagina is oh, internal. So your vulva is what you see on the outside, which is typically what we what we kind of use. But you, you know what? Yeah. I'm all about whatever whatever you feel like is appropriate and would feel good for your family, as long as it's anatomically in the range instead of like wee wee or ta ta or hoo ha. Because I agree with you wholeheartedly that kids need to yeah. know the the correct terminology. You know for terrible reasons, yeah. like if they go through yes. something bad and they need to talk to somebody about it, yep. but also for trust reasons. Like I don't want to have to reteach my kid as a 10 year old that her, her vajayjay is actually her vulva, you know? And then right. she thinks, well, what other things is mom not telling me the truth on? So for those two reasons, last, yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. 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 We're cut from the same cloth in that capacity. I, so I think about that all the time mm-hmm. with spiritual things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to have to like undo all these like weird stories. <laughs> I want them to know like the real thing. So that way they're not like, wait, what? Yeah. Then all of this is a crock, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, let's, I'm going to linger for a moment in regards to biological words in order to help our children and, and not to make them responsible for abuse, but to allow them to be able to speak accurately. So um, the world that I live in for therapy is often dark because it's people that are coming who have endured radical things. Yeah. And so I understand this is not all of the population, mm-hmm. but it is all of my population. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So there have been families that they didn't understand what was going on when their child was being abused because they weren't using the correct biological terms. And so their teacher, coach, whoever the perpetrator was was able to get away with using um those parts of their body because their kids didn't know the right words oh what do you mean this is wrong what do you mean like they had no idea and they were blindsided by the fact that like oh my god like I didn't realize what he was saying because we didn't even he didn't have the words or the vocabulary for it yeah so for whatever it's worth I don't want people to go into terror I also don't want parents to like be like okay I gotta go literally go find my children and say penis and volta a hundred times but I do want parents to know that there is an empowered way to talk to their children about sex sexuality and biology not for children to be responsible but for children to be able to clearly communicate about their experiences and the longevity of that is in our parenting relationship that we our trust is founded in authenticity even if it's awkward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, 100%. I um, think about the gift it is to give your kid beyond that a sense of body agency and autonomy. Like you're giving mm-hmm. them the gift of 
you can call your body parts exactly what they are. And I'm not ashamed when you say in the middle of the pool, (laughs) I can see your vulva, you know, um, or the word vulva because, because my body is mine. And, you know, from a very young age, Mm -hmm. I learned that I'm in charge and I'm, I'm the one who gets to talk to my trusted adult about it. And, um, I just think that's a beautiful gift to give our children. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, My body is mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How often, um, for, for, cause you work one-on-one with people as well mm-hmm. Yeah. throughout the week. How often does sexual trauma come across um, in the people that you're working with? Yeah. Um, it's fairly common. I, I work very closely with therapists, so I'm kind of a behaviorist and educator um, and I get lots of referrals from therapists and counselors, uh, and, and OBGYNs, but, um, here's my take on it is I, I feel like the therapist, your work, Elise, is the, the emergency medicine physician who's teaching you how to kind of unpack and deconstruct and mm-hmm. understand trauma, mm-hmm. right? You're key, you're like the lifesaver, <laughs> um, when it comes to sexual abuse and assault. And then I am coming in like the physical therapist, like, okay, we've you've mm. dealt with this trauma. I'm going to teach you how to walk again, you know? So I'm going to teach yeah. you how to have sex again in this current life. Yes. Like, you know how to handle trauma now from your emergency room doctor, which is Elise. And I'm going <laughs> to help, help you handle what that means in your bedroom. So I, uh, I, w- I would say, I don't know exact percentage, but sometimes it just, it doesn't get, um, it doesn't come up in our sessions is maybe they don't, yeah. they don't want to bring it up in our sessions because we're focused on the here and now. And sometimes it does. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and we use the, the trauma informed approach that has been taught yes. to them by their, by, by their therapist. Yes, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I would think if, in, if one bottom line here, I want everyone to know always is that sexual abuse, violence, trauma, assault of any sort is 100% treatable. Mm. That's like, to me, that's like, that has to be the place that we operate from in order for there to be hope for people to come forward to get the treatment that they need is to know that this is 100% treatable and people can go on to live healthy, vibrant sex lives. Now, the trauma might not be a big T trauma, like like the ones we think of as like, mm-hmm. oh, um, I was raped, I was assaulted, I was molested as a child. Mm-hmm. The little T traumas, what we were talking mm-hmm. about when we first started was that understand that my body is bad. My body leads people to, sh- to men to sin, mm-hmm. um, that I, I need to be modest because that's godly and virtuous. Mm-hmm. Um, the little t trauma of how the dialogue within conservative groups has made me think about my body or sexuality negatively is also correct. 100% correct. Painful intercourse, shame around your sex life, shame around your body parts, not being able to touch yourself, um, you know, or being told at least as a child, not to touch yourself. Like these are Mm -hmm. like what I would, I would agree with you. Little T traumas that definitely still affect even going through childbirth and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, lots and lots of different ways that we can experience trauma in regards to our sex life yeah yeah and since we as people are sexual beings like this is a conversation for all the people Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think oh that's only for people who are here 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 it's like no this is a conversation like that involves us as all of us as human beings Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um some of the questions we we had kind of like thrown around was um how much sex is normal Mm -hmm. um what if I don't feel like having sex and what if I want to have more sex? I think normal is that word. That normal yeah. comes up all the time. Yeah. Is this normal? 
yeah. And I, and I rooted, and I think you would agree, rooted in the, in the idea that we all want to belong. We all just want to belong. And so every time I hear somebody yeah. say, is this normal? Like, am I okay? You know, that's the real question. Yeah. Am I okay? Yeah. And yeah, I always say normal is just a dial on your washing machine. I have clients who have like <laughs> what I call ABC sex, which is the anniversary birthday Christmas. And then I have clients who have a lot more sex than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And of course you can go and find research that will tell you how many times per whatever Americans have sex. And the, the immediate thing you're going to do though, is just compare. I'm yeah. either in yeah. that realm or I'm not. And, right. and that's incredibly unhelpful. So I, we always go for emotion-based goals. Like what do you want to feel in your sex life? I want to feel connected, pleasure, you know, mm -hmm. um, fulfilled. And then build a, a, a quality of sex first, always comes first, quality. Yes. And then maybe some talks about quantity. But, but having a lot of terrible right. or not quality sex yeah. is not going right. to help fulfill your needs. So that's my oh, standard right. answer. <laughs> yep. Yes. Because, right. I can, I can hear that loop as well. And then we're... we're and I don't want to gender stereotype, but for who, whichever partner is feeling like they just have to keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing mm -hmm. up. And it's like, wait, no, let's move, like we said, towards quality mm -hmm. and towards that idea of like of connection or spiritual connection to your partner, mm -hmm. um, which will communicate. I think safety is the other word I want to like, include is like a sense of safety yeah. to the rest of my, even my nervous system mm -hmm. to it's okay. This is safe. I can connect. I can be here. I'm, you know, we're here together mm -hmm. and being able to then have quality experience that's safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can look like a whole bunch of different stuff. Like we're so fascinated with the idea that we have to stick the penis in a vagina. Like this is like totally our version of, you know, quote unquote sex, but there's obviously so many other things that feel connected and pleasure. And since we talked about the clitoris first, you know, at the beginning, most women, like the, the range is 75 to 80% of women have their first and most of their orgasms through clitoral stimulation. So to act like sex is defined as penis right. and vagina or penis and something um, is like ignoring a whole <laughs> female orgasm. Yeah. A whole section yeah. of the, yeah. of the, um, spectrum of you know females yes. who experience pleasure in a different way so it's a it's a big it's a big um I'm a big proponent for making sure women know that most women have their first and most of their orgasms through clitoral stimulation and that is okay gosh I, yeah I feel like I hope people re rewind press play again and listen to that <laughs> that's but that's okay. And if we could redefine now, do you think redefine per mm. partnership? Mm -hmm. Like what sex equals and means for us? Does it equal both partners orgasm? Does it like, what is, what is our sex mm -hmm. and how do we explain or, or under, have a common or mutual understanding of what that is? Mm. Yes. That's basically all of my work in a nutshell, redefining what sex <laughs> <laughs> means to the partnership. Yeah. Um, and we're done. Okay, good. And that's it. <laughs> Well, you led me there. I can, I'm like, that's, that's where, that's what I see the crux of this conversation is that <laughs> what words, what feelings, you know, what yeah. values, what, what does this mean? That's what we're doing is we try to understand a concept as we, we inch our way towards it. And we're like, okay, I think this is what this is. So yeah, yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. And it just goes back, honestly, to our earlier conversation about staying curious, 
like you just stay curious and you redefine what sex is over and over and over again. What if somebody has erectile dysfunction and can't have an, uh, an erection anymore? Does this mean sex is gone forever? Certainly not, right? Because right. if pleasure and connection are your goal, you can meet that in a million different ways. Yes. Okay. So what about for the unpartnered people? Mm. So what, what do we think of the, can, can sex exist within myself? Um, what about if I don't have a, a monogamous partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, s- sexuality, I think always begins with self and, in, and, growing up in kind of a more conservative or religious background, um, we often, or sometimes maybe, maybe I'll just own it for myself. Maybe we who grew up in that way consider that selfish. And so I think the first like line of thinking is to make sure you have an understanding that sex for yourself is not selfish. It's actually one of the most beautiful and informative processes you can be because you then enter into, if you want to, a relationship as a whole, instead of looking to that other person to fill in the gaps of your sex. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I I literally am thinking there would be whole generations of people that would be changed if that was the sex education that was offered rather than Mm. like, so beyond sexual sexual experience starting with self that wasn't selfish that was taught as sin straight up sin so yes like the the idea that it's not i'm gonna say not sin Mm -hmm. and then not selfish allows it again to come back to that sense of natural healthy important Mm -hmm. sexual exploration developmental exploration right yeah this is beyond it being sexual it's developmentally appropriate yeah Yes, absolutely. It's an ex- ex- it's an exploration. Just like we find ourselves in other ways, you must find yourself sexually yeah. too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The the dominant group I end up um, seeing are Christian women who save themselves from marriage and now either physically feel like they cannot have mm-hmm. sex like through vaginismus or whatnot, or feeling like they can't orgasm. And again, there's such a mental leaving of the body. Mm-hmm. So then they're not in that here and now like we talked about in order for sensuality to occur. So there's not sensual mm-hmm. and they just become like this frozen sense of like, Ooh, and it's like, wait a sec. Yeah. Hello. We got to loosen up. And if we can have that safely with ourselves, yeah. then we would be able to, tr- to have that be a smoother transition a more natural transition, a more natural transition for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. It's so, common it's so common to feel so much pressure as a female um and no real education that's helpful (laughs) as to how to get unlocked right yep yeah okay so author you because i'm thinking people are like oh god like i didn't know people thought about stuff like this i didn't know that that even or that christians thought about stuff Mm -hmm. like this or whatever how what resources do you have you specifically um, created that would help people that are listening today? Yeah. Um, so I've created a course, um, that is called elevate and it, and it takes people through kind of these, this four step process of awareness, deconstruction, you know, vulnerability and resilience to help Mm. unlock sexual shame and pain and frustration and low libido, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Um, And it's really just guiding you through your own practice. Like I don't, I don't ever want to be prescriptive. I don't ever want to be the person who says you need to do this or you need to do that. I want to be 
the conduit, just like I'm assuming yes. you, um, the yes. conduit through which you ask yourself better questions and come up to your own sexual value system that works for you and your relationship. Um, so the course is one thing that, that I've developed. Um, I'm excitedly working on a book about how uh, purity culture affects our sex life. Um, yes. <laughs> um, purity culture, to be honest, and pornography. So I feel like we have awesome. um, yep. good, good, good. Like this big dichotomy of purity culture over here and pornography over there. And yep. oh, we have a hard time living it somewhere in the middle of all these expectations. And so um, that that book will take women through the process of figuring out where she wants to be. Um, that's rad. Yeah. That's rad. Um, what I, I have two questions and then, but then one, mm -hmm. um, why focusing on women? Oh, cause I like women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like in a relationship with a man, but I really love women. <laughs> yeah. Yes, totally. Yeah. I hear you. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's something about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you read Nadia Wells, um, Nadia Weber Bowles, her book, Shameless? No, it's been recommended to me over and over in the last two months and I haven't gotten to it yet. I have it and I have not read it yet, but it's another okay. recommendation okay. from you as well. Yes. Yeah. Let's, we should, okay, let's, let's read it and talk about okay. it together because <laughs> it's, um, I understand also not, I don't, usually want to read what other people are doing sometimes when I'm trying to do that exact same thing because I want my to be uninfluenced in my creative yeah. process um but I here's something ironic I ordered that book on Amazon I wasn't home to receive it it got sent back to UPS I had to show up with a driver's license in order to pick it up <laughs> oh wow so yeah then they're like oh why they asked me what is this is this explicit content and I'm like oh, oh wow. my gosh this is a book literally exposing purity culture and, and liberating women. Yeah. Like this is pornographic. Cool. Yeah. This, that speaks like volumes. Well, listen right? to this. So I um, had a conversation with an the uh, an editor at a publishing house, which I can't say yet, but um, she, um, <laughs> she said, I literally went from my opus office, open office concept cubicle to the <laughs> conference room to have this conversation with you mm. and that in and of itself means this book yep. is necessary. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is why we need this. Yes. Yeah. And, or this conversation. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a dare out there right now too. Mm. For people that have been listening to this episode and they're like, I don't know. They know that someone else needs to listen to this. I dare you to send it to somebody this week mm. to challenge their thinking, to challenge like maybe someone who's been stuck in purity culture mm -hmm. or maybe someone who's been stuck in like where sex is only profane and power and has little to do with like sensuality experience and like mutual reciprocity. Because mm -hmm. it's like, I think sometimes we come across information like, ooh, this is interesting. But like we have to like perpetuate it yeah. or share it so that way like we all as a society can like archetypically like boost we can mm. all become more like sexually empowered or free mm -hmm. not just like little um tiny little caveats little tiny baby communities mm -hmm. yeah there's so much i love that because there's so much power in simply having a conversation with a friend yeah like oh yeah. you have experienced this oh i've experienced this like yes. oh what are you doing to help you get out of that yep. you know oh yep. yes so good yes. i love that yes. i love that word boost that you just used yes mm. Because that's what it feels like. Because maybe even back to your word elevate, you know, it's like we are, we do, we're wanting to like boost or elevate. I imagine like society as a whole climbing up a rung. Mm -hmm. So it's like this, um, like 
this next like sexual awakening for like our society and removing um, the profane of pornography or the like uber sacred of purity. Mm-hmm. If we could take that in a little more freedom, then we can all boost or all elevate. We're all like climbing or mm-hmm. climbing together. Yeah. I think that that would, yeah. I think what happens there too is we end up decimating rape culture because we're able to like put sex back um, where the power belongs. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's powerful. That's a lot to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have words. I have all the words. Yeah. Yeah. I got words. I got feelings. <laughs> I'm like, I've got hand motions going on. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. Like that's where our power lies is to take the the narrative of sex back into our own hands. It's just so powerful. Literally. Mm -hmm. Literally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I like goosebumps right now. Mm. Yeah. This is good. Okay. Tell me, have there been a time where you've been on a podcast and there was something else you wanted to share? Like something that you're like, if I could just say what I wanted to say for people to know, and they just, they just heard something. Well, is there anything that's been in your noggin? Well, (laughs) um, you know, I've, I've like had this thing rolling around in my head for a while and I, I don't, I, I am invited to a lot of different types of podcasts in those three different kind of genres that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I really would love all of my people who grew up maybe in purity culture as well to hear is that you can definitely love like fierce orgasms and Jesus. Like that is all okay. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Can we own that? Can, can we? Like can't, can't, cause like that's, Without shame, without fear, if that makes um, makes me weird, makes me other, makes me masculine, that's something that gets thrown around mm-hmm. too. That it's like, no, um, I can in a, in my in my feminine power love orgasm, and that doesn't make me uh, masculine or manly. Uh, orgasms do not belong to men. Oh, preach. <laughs> They do not have the corner market on mm-hmm. orgasm, right? And yeah. not to say, or like, you know, now I'm going to like, not to say orgasm is the end all and be all of sex. But if that was like a, I agree. like we could say pleasure, you can love like exotic, erotic pleasure and your Christian faith and value system right. or whatever. Right. Like they are not mutually exclusive. In fact, I think Jesus wants us to have a lot, a lot of sexual pleasure. I love that. <laughs> this is so what you know what's super ironic. I okay, I was working with a man mid 60s, okay? Mm-hmm. Um and he had questions about his masturbation. Mm-hmm. This just shows you the level of like all the bizarre and amazing yeah. and beautiful things to get to work with yes, people. Yes. But here I'm like talking with him. Yeah, cool. And I told him I said, "Hey, I'm going to tell you real quick. The only people that and specifically men that have questions for me about their masturbation, if it's okay or not okay or how much, I said, are Christians. Uh-huh. I said, so could you just sit with that for a moment and realize that maybe you're not doing anything wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, I'm like, if it took you 60 years to get to that question, mm-hmm. I hope that the next, the rest of your sex life is happy and full mm-hmm. without any shame or weirdness attached to that to that practice that's only been stigmatized here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Yeah. So I love that. I love that because that informs us on how to do it maybe a little bit differently with our next generation. Like when we're thinking about raising our daughters or our sons, 
um, in a place that they can sexually express in a way, in a time frame that is healthy for them. Yeah. Um, that they won't end up on the other side with incredible yes. sexual shame about touching themselves. Right. Or um, those like the proclivities for then again, going back into a profane space of mm. I'm curious, that's bad. Now I have to do it where nobody knows. Oh. And now here enters in like the secrecy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the power I have, I feel like I have a secret and you can see like, where that spirals for people. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think um, let's just, let's, put put forth your thoughts on this like but like some of the <clears throat> something that I think is huge in our families we talk about context like yeah. by all means your body is good it's beautiful it's yours mm-hmm. so if you would like to you know touch your body you can find a space that's more private than like yeah. our living room couch yeah. you know like here are some thoughts <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've literally said please don't touch your vulva at the dinner table that has come out of yeah. my mouth <laughs> So, can we get that on a, like a bumper sticker or something yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's the name of your next talk um, okay so context mm. not shaming what other things are important for even the parents and or people that want to pretend they're listening for their children but really need to hear this for themselves what else is important oh, context wow. um i i love the idea of kind of in that in that frame of context um sometimes I use the word boundary which has some connotation Mm -hmm. either way but for me it works in this way yeah in that when we establish really um healthy boundaries in our sex life then we can really have freedom so I think sometimes people think I can only be sexually actualized if I'm willing to do all the things and sleep with all the people all the time and totally open. And that's not really sexual agency. Sexual agency is understanding your boundary and your value Mm. system and then being free to explore within that sandbox. Like your sexual sandbox becomes really fun when you know that my partner and I understand these are where we won't go. And the BDSM community is really good about that. They, we can learn Mm -hmm. a lot actually from that community about sexual boundaries and the importance of that in in an attempt to experience freedom. Um, That was kind of ethereal, but that's what came up for me. No, 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 but that's perfect because there's a sense of in the BDSM community, the idea of one communication, like we're talking and Mm. we're not just like, not talking because what happens I think when we're not talking about it we're passive participants right and I typically think of our sex life sometimes as the microcosm for what else is going on in the rest of our relationship oh hell yes yeah absolutely like it is such a mirror I'll be like girl like you're not asking for what you want in the bedroom you're not asking for that raise either (laughs) hey come on right that's it I'm like okay so you want to say we're coming here talking about sex cool but this is clearly everything this is everything okay but it's yeah. Mm-hmm. The one thing I say <laughs> about the boundary thing too is let's just reclaim that. If I have sexual boundaries, that doesn't make me a prude. Having like mm. sexual boundaries can make something actually exotic because I've said when I think of I want to go on vacation and I want to go somewhere exotic, I want to go to Bora Bora because it's it's exotic and it's interesting and it's unique and it's foreign. If everything mm-hmm. was Bora Bora, then nothing would be like interesting. So yes. building that boundary means that I've actually got something that is that incredible, phenomenal, foreign, whatever, and I want to go there. So I yeah. love the idea of boundary. I think it's it's really inherent whether we're talking about sex or psychology or mental wellness or my just where we start and stop um to get uber spiritual on it again 
-hmm. It's the first thing in the work of creation was the work of creating boundaries. This is land and and sea, and this is, you know, sky and what's beneath, and this is here and here, and it allowed for structure and then for creation to exist. Oh my gosh, you just blew my mind right there. (laughs) Oh, that is so good. The idea of boundary and creation to make the creative process through structure. Oh, yes. It's that's like the really story's great. there. It's yes. always been there all along. It's the, that's the, that's an accurate mirror. Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. That's really good. Oh man. So last, really this is so that. cool. Okay, can we, can we come back to us uh, to this for a moment? I want to yeah. say that like the way that we originally got connected and I was like, okay, this would be a really cool way for us to actually get to communicate and then you email me and we have all these other like really beautiful, interesting, like, mm. albeit painful, but super freaking real points of connection. Although I feel like we've had to have known each other in another life right now. I really do feel that way. <laughs> I feel very connected to you in my heart center. And like, for example, you do your virtual sessions and I, I know you see clients one-on-one too, but you yeah. have a lot of virtual sessions yes. in your sweet little vintage trailer out on the California coast. <laughs> and I do all of my virtual sessions in a converted wood shop in my backyard that we remodeled and it's so lovely and beautiful. Yep. And it's my little happy place. And I was like, yes. oh, I just love Celeste. this because yes. I understand how you feel every time you step into that trailer. Oh. I understand. I think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I literally immediately feel limitless. Anything is possible in the space. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Are you taking new people? People are listening and they're like, oh, I need to call Celeste. Are you open to new people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm taking new clients. Uh, I do discovery calls first just to be sure that we are a really good fit. So if you want to do just a complimentary Mm 30-minute discovery call, I want to make sure that we're a good fit. Um, And then either... I'm, I'm committed to helping you at that point. So you either you come on to my client load or I'll say, you know what, you're a great fit for Elise <laughs> or you're a great fit for, you know, a therapist yeah. or, cause I yeah. just really want to stay in line and true to my, my strengths. So yes, yes absolutely. Bring on the okay. clients. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. It's good to know. Cause I want people to have, like, I do a lot of extreme vetting. Like I want to make sure that people have, if I'm passing them to somebody, there's a good resource that it's mm-hmm. because they're legit and that there's like super quality care and so that's like like I want people to be able to follow up with you in a real way and know that like um they can virtually meet you in the she shed yay in the she (laughs) shed that's right um another thing that I feel really connected to you about is the Enneagram and so I use the Enneagram in my work a lot do you use it in therapy oh gosh yes 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 yeah it is it okay so this is I would love to talk to you maybe another time then about um I would love to um, look at the Enneagram from a sexual perspective. Uh, yes, 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 yes. So <laughs> um, my business partner, her name is Erin. She's an Enneagram coach. And we have like, we, we should, we should maybe all three riff about okay. this because um, we're like going through like, even just funny stuff. Like yes. how, how does us, how does like a seven, you know, like sex, like all the yes. ways and all the yes. positions and a six right? is the loyal missionary position <laughs> and like <laughs> totally. all of the things. So yes. I think we should definitely talk about, okay. uh, let's do it. Yes. Sex and the Enneagram. <laughs> sex Enneagram memes. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> flagging that we're gonna own, we're gonna own that space thanks everyone <laughs> oh, yeah yeah <laughs> nobody's no listen nobody's doing it Erin and I are like really determined to make sex in the Enneagram on the put it on the map so absolutely come into this conversation <laughs> I love it I love yeah. it mm-hmm. it's so good Celeste <laughs> I um feel 
a sense of like being known and that I'm not alone in my own migration um, to and from places like and I don't know I think it's it's refreshing to know that there are like thoughtful informed and powerful people like you that are not that you've taken your life into some life's work and are affecting other people and I think that like that progress that process whatever that is is fire and I'm so thankful that you're doing what you're doing we need people to be more more free in their sex within themselves so we can have healthy sex as a a community oh Mm. such lovely words and almost like almost like too hard like when you say that I'm powerful like I really work hard to uh, to own that and uh, I really appreciate you saying that (laughs) yes thank you you very much Um, thank you so much for leading the way in these communities for women especially I really really appreciate and and, you know I I admire and now I get to uh, consume your work on a different level now that we've chatted Mm. (laughs) that's so cool thank you for for being here plug your website where can people find you right now Instagram website the whole deal. Sure. Um, and you can find me at Dr. Celeste Holbrook, Dr. Celesteholbrook.com or inspireworth.com. Both of those go to the same place. And you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Celeste Holbrook and Facebook at Dr. Celeste Holbrook. So please look um, look me up and, and join the conversation. We need more uh, female women voices having yep. real authentic conversations about sex. I also have a, yes. a closed group called the circle of sensual women. That's just for people who identify as female, um, where we go a little bit more mm-hmm. in, implicit and explicit in our conversation. So if that's something that interests you, please do join us over there. Love that. Yes. And, and also to like um, extend the invitation to people wherever they fall in their spectrum of sexuality. So for people that were offended by our conversation, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, to people that were like inspired, you're welcome. To people who don't know yet, you're welcome. Like, yeah. the, like conversations are only as rich as the people that show up. And so the more like diversity and ideas represented there, the better the conversation is going to be. So mm-hmm. every single person, wherever they are on this spectrum of, you know, of their own journey, like, your voice is essential to this conversation. So do not let a lack of experience or thought keep you from showing up. Mm-mm. No, we'll, we're here for you wherever you are. Yes. And we'll learn yes. from each other. Yes. I love it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Hey guys, um, we, we are both in our own like unique space. I'm in my trailer. Celeste is in her she shed. Wherever you are listening to this, please join the conversation. Whether you are just thinking about these things on your own, um, you owe it to yourself to step into your own sexual power and to think about what that means for you mm-hmm. and how that translates into your own space or to your relationship with your partner or how you raise your children, whatever it is. This conversation is is unique. It can be controversial, but it, it, it it's necessary. Mm. So I hope that it was, I don't know, I hope that it, it was exactly what you needed wherever you are in your space today. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you are interested in beginning your own work in therapy or coaching, you can go to www.elisesnipes.com. Follow me on Instagram at Elise Snipes Collective, where I will be sharing more with you throughout the week. You can get in touch with me to suggest a topic for the show or to ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered. Or just say hi by emailing me at elise at elisesnipes.com. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends.